0: I want to wish each of you a very Merry Christmas. I'm glad that you can be here worshiping with us today. <clears throat> and I want to pray God's blessing on you as we are about to open His Word. Father in heaven, we believe that faith comes from hearing Your Word. We believe that Your Word speaks of life. Your Word shows us light. where. We see nothing but darkness in this world. We believe that the power that you have is in your word, and we are asking by your grace that we would rightly handle it. We pray even that you would be the one who speaks to each of us and that your Holy Spirit will be the one who instructs and teaches. Please lead us, Lord. We are your sheep. You are our shepherd, we are your students, you are our teacher. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read the beginning of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, and that's what will appear on the screen. Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. We would be remiss if we didn't begin our study today by looking at Luke chapter 1, just verses 1 and 2. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which are most surely believed among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, and he goes on to explain that that's what he is writing his gospel that's how he's writing his gospel. He spoke to eyewitnesses. Well, what that tells us is that Luke interviewed Mary. Much of the story we just read, Mary was alone. She heard from the angel. And so Luke interviewed Mary. What an amazing interview that must have been, asking her questions. And it's from her answers that Luke came up with this outline That we have just read. Now this is the introduction of Mary to us in the scriptures. It is also the introduction of the Christmas story. I want to share with you real quickly what the Bible says about Mary. The Bible teaches us that she becomes the wife of Joseph. She is the relative of Elizabeth. She is the mother of Jesus. She's of the seed of David. She would attend the ceremonial purification 40 days after the birth of Jesus, and there she would be told by Simeon that a sword would pierce through her soul. She would flee with Joseph and baby Jesus to Egypt. They would come back and live in Nazareth. She and Joseph would take Jesus to the temple when he was age 12, and that's the story when they left that evening. Each anticipated Jesus was with the other, and they lost him for three days. She became a widow. At the wedding in Cana, she must have had something to do with the refreshments. She asked Jesus to help when they had run out of wine. She was concerned about Jesus' safety and with other Brothers of Jesus and sisters went to take him home, saying he is out of his mind. She was there at the cross, and it was there at the cross that Jesus entrusted her to the care of John. She also appears in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14. She is in the upper room with the followers of Jesus after the resurrection. Tradition tells us that she did live with John. John took care of her. They lived in the city of Ephesus. And to this day, you can find a grave with her name on it. In the Greek, she is not Mary. She is Maria. Over time, it got shortened to Mary. In fact, in the Greek, it is is either Maria or Mariam which we call Miriam. I have a sermon title called Maria's Moorings. I need to explain that. A mooring is a line or a cable that holds a ship, but it can also be beliefs, habits, and ties that make one feel secure. What does one hold to? What do they trust? And that's what we're going to study today, Maria's moorings. Let's begin our study, Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The reference of sixth month is referring to Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy. We go to verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. Now, in the day when this was written, the Jewish people had three steps in marriage. The first was an engagement. Engagement could come upon children at ages two and three, maybe as a baby, because engagement was arranged by the family or a matchmaker. It was the belief that marriage was too important to leave to the heart, and so others would choose who you would marry. Now, betrothed was the ratification of the engagement. When the young people were old enough for the woman, it would be age 13 or older, and many scholars believe Mary likely is from 14 to 16 years of age when this story takes place. The woman and the man would be brought together and they would officially ratify the engagement with a betrothal. Now it is very interesting that in Jesus' day, it was the woman's choice whether the relationship moved forward or not. She could take one look at the guy and say, not going to happen, and she would be free of it. Apparently, the men had no option. You got a woman, take her. Now. Then, the betrothal was so serious, it was considered marriage. Though there were no privileges like marriage, you did not live together. But to get out of a betrothal, you had to divorce. And those of you who have read the story of Joseph, when Mary told him about her pregnancy, That's the route he chose, a divorce. But he wanted to do it privately and not publicly, making an example of her. When the couple were married, that would be a formal ceremony, and from then on they would have the rights and privileges of a married couple. Now, I don't know if you've given this much thought at all, but really that is a reflection of the gospel. You think of Jesus and the church. The church, as you know, is considered his bride. We are actually betrothed to the Lord if we are believers. Let me explain what I mean. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for everyone, and God has predetermined that all should be saved in Christ. But not all are, because there's a choice that we have to make. And so, in a way, because of Calvary, we are engaged to the Lord. But when we get to an age to decide, it is up to us to decide. And because the woman is portrayed as a female in the Scriptures, men are involved in this decision as well. And so we look at Jesus. Do we want to be married to him? I hope you want to be. And you say yes to him. We are in the betrothal stage right now. The marriage will take place in heaven. It's called the marriage feast of the Lamb. And then we will be forever with the Lord. So that's the story of the gospel in their marriage system. Let's go to Luke chapter 1 again, verse 28. And we'll read several verses this time. The angel, speaking of her, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. You are highly favored, Mary, you are blessed and you will have a son and you will name him Jesus. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's not been intimate with a man. How can this be? It's a great question, and the angel actually answers it. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. How did that happen? We don't know. Apparently, we don't need to know. The Lord did not tell us. Mary apparently didn't understand it. She's talking to a physician, Luke, and he doesn't seek to explain it. This is a holy thing that takes place, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. But God, in his mercy, is going to give some evidence for Mary. It's found in verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Now, several things are happening in this verse. First of all, this is likely the very first time that Mary has heard that Elizabeth is pregnant. As you know, she is barren, she's an old woman, long past child rearing years, and the angel is demonstrating that that pregnancy was from God, and we know her child would be John the Baptist. And so there is the miraculous is associated with Elizabeth, who is a relative of Mary's. But I I believe there's more. Just as Jesus, in His love to the young girl that He raised to life, you know, the family was so excited, and uh, Jesus raises this young girl to life, first thing he says is, get her something to eat. You know, she's been sick a while. She hasn't eaten for a while. Get her something to eat. God cares deeply about us. Now, imagine you are 14 to 16 years old and an angel is telling you, you are going to be impregnated by God and you are going to birth the Son of God. Who can you tell? Who do you go to talk to? Who do you talk to about your fears and your concerns? And I believe the angel right here is telling her, look, go talk to your relative Elizabeth. She'll understand. You can talk, girl talk. You can talk about morning sickness. You can talk about whatever women talk about when they're pregnant. Elizabeth will understand and there will be no condemnation from her. She is a living miracle as well. So we come to verse 37, and I'll come to that in just a moment. I want to identify the reality of what Mary is facing. Again, I can't overemphasize how young she is, 14 to 16 years of age. She is facing ridicule, contempt, and gossip. She is going to have sorrows that will pierce her soul, the Bible says. That is a deep sorrow. That is not a flesh wound. That is a deep sorrow. She will maneuver through and have difficult circumstances. There will be overwhelming responsibilities placed upon her. There are going to be hardships that she cannot even begin to imagine. There will be loneliness, and she'll have the normal round of self-doubts and faith struggles that all of us have. The question is, what will she hold on to to get her through all this? What was the secret for Mary that got her through to a successful end? Number one, we find in verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. It's what the angel said. The Amplified version says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. The Living New Testament simply puts it this way. For every promise from God shall surely come true. That was spoken to her by an angel. And she embraced that. She believed that, that with God, nothing will be impossible. Wow. The second thing comes in the next verse, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This handmaid or maidservant of the Lord is literally a female slave yielded to the will of another, of a master. And what she is saying here is She will humble herself to the will of God for her life. You be the master, she is saying. She even goes on to say, let it be according to your word. This is humility. This is submissiveness. This is the spirit of one who wholly trusts God and his plans for them. So God, can do all things with him, nothing is impossible. And in that light, in that context, she says, let it be according to your word. She submits to the will of God in her life. She goes on to Elizabeth, and while she's there, Elizabeth talks to her, and we come to verse 46, and we come to point number three. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's it's an expression of, oh, how I praise the Lord. You see, humanity has tendencies, and she was human. She would recognize this. Whenever there's a problem, humans begin to think about that problem. We we may lose sleep over that problem. What happens to the problem over time? It grows. It becomes magnified. And she says she will magnify the Lord. She's not going to magnify the problems. She will focus on God. She'll remind herself about God. She will magnify Him in her soul, not magnify the problem. Another way of magnifying the Lord is to praise the Lord. She will praise the Lord rather than complain about things. Now this is an amazing process. Mary held on to three things. One, with God nothing will be impossible. Two, she trusted Him and obeyed Him. Three, she she chose to magnify the Lord, not the problems. She chose to praise the Lord and not complain. Wow. What an amazing young woman. But it begs the question, what are we holding on to? Where are our moorings? Are we holding on to what people say about us? Are we rehearsing the ridicule, contempt, and gossip over and over in our minds? Are we living in the sorrow that pierces our soul? Are we focused on difficult circumstances? Are we overwhelmed with responsibilities? Is our life just one hardship after another, the loneliness, the self-doubts, the faith struggles? Is that defining us? Or would it define us to say, we believe with God nothing will be impossible. We trust Him. We will obey Him. And we will choose to magnify Him, to praise Him and not complain. In Luke 1 verse 37, I want you to read this out loud with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you believe that? If you believe that, raise your hand. You can put that hand down. You want to get a tattoo, get that one. We need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. We need to be reminding each other of it. Now, we're blessed in this church to have three wonderful associate pastors. And they've been preaching the entirety of December Boy, I appreciate what I learned from them, great, great Biblical sermons. But for a month now, I've been working on this sermon, and I want you to know that virtually every problem that has come into my life since I discovered this, I've reminded myself. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Let's go to the next text. Let's read it out loud together. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. How many of you would like it said of you that you trust Him and you obey Him? Would you like that said of you? So problems come. Difficulties come, doubt, confusion. Magnify the Lord, not the problem. Praise God, don't complain. And humble ourselves before him and say, I trust you, God, and I will obey you, God. The third verse, let's read it. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. I got out of order, sorry. With God, nothing will be impossible. Trust Him and obey Him, and choose to magnify Him, praise Him, and not complain. Is there anyone here who would like to say to the Lord, I want a life like that? Let me see your hands. With God, what is impossible? Would you look to the person next to you and simply say this, with God, nothing will be impossible. Let it be unto me according to your word. Will you look to the person next to you and say, trust him and obey him? My soul shall magnify the Lord. Will you look at the person next to you and say, praise him and stop complaining? I saw some married couples that were a little too animated on that. do you see victory in the way Mary lived her life? Is there anyone here who wants to live that kind of life? Let's stand and tell the Lord that's how we want to live our lives. Father in heaven, we want to believe that with all that with you all things are possible. And Father in heaven, we want to trust you and obey you. And Father in heaven, we want to magnify you and not the problems. Help us to praise you and quit complaining. We ask and pray in Jesus' name.